Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you were telling me you got some astonishing results from some of your uh, uh, folks on your team, and that led you to learn some interesting things about being self-critical. Uh, tell us more. Yeah. Um, so th this uh, happened where I was talking to someone and we were reviewing some numbers they put together uh, on, uh, on usage, doing some analysis that was going to inform um, some product feature work. And uh, looking at the table, uh, I was trying to make sense of it. I was trying to understand what all the numbers meant, how they related. They'd presented their conclusion. They thought, oh, well, this is really clear. You know, here's the, here's the data that backs it up. But I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm bothered by something. I'm, I'm looking at this column where you talk about a rate, um, but then I, I look at the number and it's 6,000. Hey, that sounds like a good rate. 6,000 <laughs> sounds like a big number. 6,000 what? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it was supposed to be a click-through rate, and 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 that just seemed really high. I really had trouble imagining that all the users were opening, you know, that message six hundred times each, or I mean, or you know, sixty times each, whatever that would be. But it definitely, I don't think that was happening. So there was a there was a number that didn't make sense when you try to compare it to reality, and. When I asked the person about it, they said, oh, ah, yeah, no, you know, I, I have to go back and look at this. I, I'd asked other people to generate these numbers for me, and I, I missed that. I'll, I'll do it and get back to you. And it was interesting because then we ended up having a conversation about being self-critical. And the really interesting thing, which why I thought we were talking about the podcast, is I ended up having a, the same conversation I'd had just the day before with someone else who had been working on a completely different report and who'd asked for advice. And so I thought maybe maybe it's more than just these two people, right? You know, <laughs> one is what is something, but when two people in two days makes me think that this is maybe a bigger topic. Wonderful. So what do you mean by self-critical? I, I don't think you mean that uh, they should, uh, th these people who presented figures that were nonsensical should go and get out a, a, a wet noodle and flagellate themselves. I don't think you mean <laughs> beat yourself up. You must mean something else. No, something something different, which is, and, and, and I wanted to make it very practical. And, and actually, I related this a bit, and, and listeners who, who know about our, our technique for analyzing conversations will spot a similarity here. Because when we do that, we talk about self-distancing, which is to say you want to be able to view your conversation as though it was someone else. Not social distancing, but self-distancing. <laughs> we all know exactly. social distancing. Self-distancing is a little different. It's looking at yourself as if you were a different person. Exactly. And the point I was making is that to, to be self-critical kind of is an unnatural act. You know, our, our normal cognition, our cognitive biases will, will tend to um, miss errors in the things that we're creating. And the way that, and that's, a, that's really a challenge when we want to improve them. And so the, the advice I gave them was to have this kind of separate step and to, as far as possible, try to put yourself in the mindset of a different person entirely and so that you're coming to it uh, as, a, as, a, as a, a critical person. And, and I, I, I used a couple of different analogies. One, I said, imagine you're that sort of mean kid in high school who's just trying to make people, you know, make themselves look smart and everyone else look bad and from the teacher, you know, well, what does that mean? Do you even understand what that means? Where did that come from? You know, who's trying to catch you out? And I, and I use the analogy here of, of uh, the devil's advocate, uh, and which I think is a, a great concept that came from the Catholic Church, actually, that when they were considering making someone a saint, there was someone who would take on the role of, <laughs> of the devil's lawyer arguing against it. 
And and uh, it, even like there's a great example they talk about on the Wikipedia page where they hired someone outside the church uh, to be interviewed as a, a critic of Mother Teresa. So when they were going through that uh, beautification process. So that was sort of be your own devil's advocate. Take a, 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 to put yourself in a different mindset where you can view this as a work of a different person and that as a way of trying to find the mistakes that someone else who is not already familiar with what you meant uh, will see. And that, that's the key thing. That The challenge is you knew what you meant when you wrote the, the document, when you created the table, when you created the presentation. If you read it as yourself, you'll be thinking about what you meant. And you need to kind of role play yourself into a space where you're not that person who already knows the answer. This reminds me of uh, one of my favorite exercises. I don't get to use it enough, which is the six thinking hats. Now, I can never remember which hat, but we'll put the link in the show notes and you can go look. It might be the black hat or the purple hat. It's the black hat. It's It's the the critical one. That's right. So what you do is you're working on a problem as a group and the thinking hats uh, are, are worn by all the members of the group at the same time. So everybody puts on the green hat and then the blue hat. But the black hat is the one where you, you all play devil's advocate. You think, how could this fail? How will it not work? What will be a catastrophe as a result of it? And uh, one thing that people also do is they'll do a pre-mortem, not the post-mortem after the patient has died, but the pre-mortem <laughs> before the project, looking for all the things that might go wrong with it. So these are two areas where this kind of um, critical thinking, really, in, in the in the true critical sense, being uh, a critic, being a, an advocate of uh, the negative point of view, finding problems can be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought exactly the same thing as far as the uh, six thinking hats and the, uh, this idea of we know the value of a, a critical thought process. And we also know that it kind of takes some amount of rituals to get us into that space <laughs> because it's not a natural thing to do. And um, so that that was now bringing that down to a personal level. How can you uh, uh, adopt that mindset in a way that you can be self-critical and, and find the mistakes in your own work uh, when you don't have someone else available to critique it for you? Uh, or maybe as a first step, you know, do do that work first before you bring it to someone else. Th- th- that process of, of seeking to understand, because otherwise you can easily fall in this scenario where you've done all the steps and you have an answer. The answer just doesn't make sense in the world, which is what we encountered here. Oh, yeah. That has happened to me loads of times. Uh, and I'm often coaching people on exactly that problem where they they've followed the steps and the steps aren't the right steps. That's one of the transitions to being an executive that are, is one of the most difficult to, to follow. But maybe that's one that's a separate uh, topic, Jeffrey. Should we get into that next week, maybe? Yeah, I really like that idea. And I think it's you're right, because if we can take this from sort of a, a small scale of working on a bit of on a deliverable to what happens when you need to operate at a higher level, where I, I think you're exactly right, it becomes less formularic and you need to be all the more aware of what you're doing as you go along. That sounds great. And, and not being formal is actually a good thing. So we'll talk about that next time. But uh, listeners who would like to try being more self-critical, would like to be their own devil's advocate, uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you about how that works for you, where you're stuck, whether your team is having trouble doing that, whether you think that's not helpful. uh, Argue with us and ask us questions. You can always do that at agileconversations.com. 
where you'll find not only our book and free resources and videos and all kinds of other good things, but also our email and our Twitter and probably lots of other ways to reach us, like Carrier Pigeon. And, of course, the other way to keep in touch with us is come back next week on next Wednesday when we'll be here for another edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Rob.